0: We are once again blessed by having Pastor Jeff Kirkland come and deliver our message. Jeff has been so faithful to this church body, and we're anxious to hear him preach the Word. Jeff? Good afternoon, everyone. The honor is mine to be back with you today to serve you, to minister the Word of God to you to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ in his word Uh, to the church congregation here that I know and love and care for. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me uh, to be here. I was praying for you earlier, praying for your church, praying for your leadership, praying for the Lord to bless you, and I will continue to do that even today and next week as I'm with you and here to serve you in the preaching of the word. My goal today as I preach the Word of God is to do a kind of a part one, and then next week we will do part two, and today I want to preach a sermon uh, explaining how people change, a little bit of a theology on how people change. And then next week, in part two, it'll be some examples, kind of some practical illustrations of what it looks like in the Word of God for true change to happen. And so as I was praying for you and praying for our time together, I thought this would be a great benefit to you as a church congregation to my own heart as I study and prepare and preach the Word of God to you. So let's take our Bible together and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Please forgive me, I left my ESV Bible at home. I'm going to read from the NASB here this afternoon. But I I hope and pray that this will be a great blessing to you. Ephesians 4 verses 22 to 24 is where we are this afternoon in this sermon part 1 explaining how... People change. We have prayed already. We have read the word together. But let's come before the Lord one more time and ask for the blessing of the Lord upon his word. We believe, O Lord, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. We as your people come before you and we triumph in the gospel. That we have been saved by grace through faith. That is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. All true believers, we are your workmanship, O Lord. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which you have prepared ahead of time, that we may walk in them. And so as we come to the word of God, would you feed your people, this church congregation, with the pure milk of the word, that we would be better, that we would be growing, that we would be conformed into the image of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. How do people change? Have you ever wondered that question? How do I change? Uh, may, maybe you have wondered that. Maybe you've asked that. Maybe a friend, a family member, maybe a coworker, maybe a child or a parent, uh, battling with a sin, battling with something in their life that they know is displeasing to God. How do I change? Can I change? Is it possible for me to change? It's A very real question. It's one that every single believer faces as we grow in our Christian walk, seeking to honor God and honor Jesus Christ. I think of a young man who battles the sin of laziness, sleeping too much, not getting his daily duties accomplished, or perhaps a lady who is impulsive, unloving in her reactions, verbally harmful in her remarks toward her husband or her children or her family members, or that man or that woman who idolizes their work to such a point that they neglect Christ and they neglect their spouse and their family, maybe even someone who's battling the sin of man-pleasing. The fear of man, this craving for approval and applause and the acceptance of other people and it sort of squeezes out everything else in life. Can I change? Is it possible for me to change? Maybe a lady who is held in the claws of fear and she's given to a life of worry and anxiety and she knows that she shouldn't be fearful. She knows the Bible. She knows what the Lord has said in Matthew 6, that we ought not to worry, but is it possible to change that marriage that is on the brink of ending? A husband that says, I I want to love my wife. I know I need to love my wife, but how do I change? That teenager who wants to be pleasing to God but gives in to sexual sin How do I change? How do I change? Is it possible to change? And on and on we could go with all the scenarios and all the possibilities and all the real situations that you and I and many other people face. How do people change? I don't have a cute little formula that's going to fix everything overnight. Nor have I come to you with a special pill in my pocket that I can give to you that's going to fix everything in a day God has given a better plan. God has given his divine word, his sufficient word, his complete word. To use the language of David in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, complete. It lacks nothing. In fact, I just prayed it a moment ago in 2 Timothy 3. God has given his breathed out word so that the man of God, the woman of God, can be adequate equipped for every good work what God gives us in the word of God and right here today in Ephesians 4 is the plan the master's plan it's the perfect plan it's it's the plan that God has revealed for how his people change and it's not just a a plan that reaches the external behavior we're not into behaviorism neither is God Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So we're not into just merely changing behavior. We are looking for real, true, heartfelt change. Deep change. Lasting change. Real change. Genuine change. Authentic change. And the language of the Bible is so helpful. It's so helpful because to use biblical terminology would be as follows. The Bible talks about putting off sinful habits and putting on godly habits. We just read it in Colossians chapter 3, putting off the old and putting on the new. For example, let me just give you an example. In Romans chapter 13, and in verse 12, Paul says, the night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, lay aside, put off the deeds of darkness, and put on the armor of light. He tells believers that we need to put off the deeds of darkness, the sinful deeds and we need to put on the armor of light. And just a couple of verses after that at the end of Romans 13, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. And we could go on and on. We could go to 1 Peter, we could go to Hebrews, we could go to Colossians, we could go all over the word of God. How do we change putting off putting on, putting off and putting on. I'm going to say that a lot today. I'm going to say it a lot next week because it's God's perfect master plan for how people like you and I Saved by the mercy and the grace of God. But as we progress in our Christian life, seeking to live in a way that is pleasing to God, little by little, day by day, until we reach glory and then we are perfect, we are on this long journey of change. We are to be putting off sin and putting on godliness. So look with me in your Bible at Ephesians 4, and just to get kind of the context, let's begin in Ephesians 4 and verse 20. Ephesians 4, verse 20. This is the word of the living God. But you, that is speaking to believers, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, You are to lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. Which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I love book of Ephesians. I love, love, love Ephesians, and I trust you do as well. When I think of the book of Ephesians, I think of this really simple summary. Be who you are. Be who you are. Live out Your identity. Because the book of Ephesians is six chapters and it really divides in half. Chapters one to three of Ephesians are all about God's call. What God has done for you. The work of God in saving you. Guess what? There's no command for you to do anything in chapters one to three. It's what God has done for you in the gospel. How the Father has elected you and the Father predestined you and the Son has redeemed you and the Son shed his blood for you and you are forgiven of your sin. The Spirit of God lives in you. He's your seal. He's regenerated you all to the glory of our great triune God. But then chapters four, therefore, now you are to walk in a manner worthy of that call. Now you are to actually live a life that is in accordance with the call of God upon you. So if chapters 1 to 3 is God's call, chapters 4 to 6 is your conduct. Or if chapters 1 to 3 is your position in Christ, what God has done for you, now in chapters 4 to 6 is your practice in Christ. Your practice in Christ. Christian the Bible says in Ephesians 1 to 3, you are made new. The Bible says that you are created new. You're regenerated. you, You have a new identity. You are not marked by. You are not characterized by. You are not identified with your old past, but you are made new. And so Paul says, live it out. Be who you are. Live a godly life because God has saved you and changed you and Brought you into his glorious, glorious family. And that's where we are in chapter 4. We are, we're sort of parachuting in to the section on, here's how you're to live. But if you try to live out chapter 4, and chapters 1 to 3 aren't true of your life, you have no power to live out chapter 4. It's like when I meet with couples for premarital counseling or even post-marital counseling and and we talk about Ephesians 5 and the husband's role and the wife's role and yet, but if Ephesians 1 hasn't happened to you, if you've not been saved, you don't have power to change. You don't have any ability to change. And anything that you do on the outside isn't gonna be pleasing to God. It's not gonna be from the heart. So the question is, Even just to begin for all of us today, because I don't want to preach a behaviorism, moralistic sermon, is for every single one of us in this room to ask, are you, are you truly saved, born again, converted, regenerated, made new, all by the sovereign grace of God? And if God has done that saving work in you, like Ephesians 1 to3 describes, now you have not just the ability, but you have the duty. To live out chapter 4 and 5 and 6. Does that make sense? So here we are talking about how people change. And look at the context in Ephesians 4.17. Look with me in your Bible. Paul is going to say to Christians in verse 17. This I say and I affirm together with the Lord. That you Christian walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk. Don't live like the non-believing people do. In the futility of their mind, that they're just living in a futile, a kind of a worthless way of, of thinking. That their mind is not fixed on glorifying Christ. Verse eighteen: They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they are callous. And they've given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greed. That describes the unbelieving world. And Paul says, Christian, you used to be like that. Don't live like that any longer. God saved you out of that. God has snatched you out of that. Now, verse 20, you didn't learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. You have a new identity. You're a follower of Christ. You are a disciple of Christ. You are taught in Jesus. So, Christian, you have, you have the power to change, but you also have the imperative to change. Whatever sin that is going on in your life, whatever temptation, whatever habit, whatever that one thing is in your life that is going through your mind right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the word of God, by the power of being a new creature in Christ in the context of the local church, God can give you the grace and he does give you everything you need to walk in a way that is pleasing to him. You can change. You can walk in a way that is honoring to Jesus Christ. So, if God has saved you, you have the ability and the power and the duty to change. But one of the wonderful things in the Bible is that change is attitudinal, not only behavioral. We are going to deal with external behaviors, but it all flows out of the heart it all flows out of the heart. So let's jump in together into these verses and see God's plan for change. How do people change? How do you change? How do I change? How does a Christian change? I don't have just a simple self-help formula that's gonna make everything all better, but here's the master's plan. Here's the master's plan. And to make it very simple and very memorable, I wanna break it down into three Necessary components. And if I were to give you kind of theological terminology, this would be a sermon on progressive sanctification. How do you grow as a Christian in progressive sanctification? How how do people grow? How do Christians grow in Christ? But to use kind of the practical way of looking at this, three necessary components for God's people to change. Here they are, very simple. Number one, put off. Number two, put in, put in the word of God. Number three, put on, put on godliness. So we're gonna look at each of those today. Put off, put in, put on. Very simple, very memorable, easy for you to remember and I pray that that will be helpful as you live your Christian life seeking to put off sin Put in the word and put on holiness for the glory of Jesus Christ. So let's begin with verse 22 here in our text in Ephesians 4 with the first necessary component, and it's this, to put off, to put off. To put off the sin, to put off sinful habits. Verse 22 says, in reference to your former manner of life, you, Christian, you're to lay aside. You're to put off the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. One of the things I'm doing in my season of life right now is I serve as a pastor, shepherd, and I love that. But I'm also finishing my certification as well to be a biblical counselor. And I'm sort of eating and drinking this stuff, putting off, putting on. And a lot of this biblical counseling material is what I'm spending a lot of my hours during the week doing as I meet with folks and open up the word of God with them. What is biblical counseling? What is it all about? It's using the word of God, which will work in true believers' lives... So that he can be the man of God that he wants him to be. Or that she can be the woman of God that God wants her to be. It's the ministering the word of God to people's lives. So that the power doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from our mind and all of our intellect. It comes from the word. The power is in the word. And that in the word helps us discern sinful attitudes and words and behaviors. So that we can put them off. Look at verse 22 again. In reference to your former manner of life, you are to lay it aside. You are to put it off. Paul uses language, even in the Greek, of clothing. Clothing. Take off that filthy, dirty garment. Take it off. Remove that. I have five kids, and they're small, and I get that. I understand. When they're dirty, and they're stinky, I say, take that thing off. And put on some new clothes that smell good. What is this language of verse 22, lay aside the old man? What are we to take off the old man? What's that? Well, that in Paul's language here refers to the remains of your former way of life that remains in each believer. It's our disobedience, it's the sinfulness, it's the rebellion against God, it's, it's the habits that are still hanging on to you and I as believers that are still hanging on from the old man days. It's our daily battle with sin. It's our daily battle with temptation. It's the habits and the traits and the responses and the sins and the temptations. And Paul is going to say in verse 22, Christian, you and I have an obligation. If you're a new man, a new woman, made new by the sovereign work of the Spirit, saved by the mercy of Christ, you are called to put off the old self. Notice how the old man is described. Look at the end of verse 22. There's a couple of different words here. He talks about how the old self is corrupted. It is corrupted. It's something that brings ruin. It's it's, it's the mindset of, you know, if, if I don't deal with my sin today, well then I'll just sort of pick it up and deal with it tomorrow. But no, you can't do that because it's going to be stronger then. And the roots of sin are going to have gone deeper then. The habits of the old self are self-perpetuating and cunning and deepening. They're corrupting. They ruin. And Paul says, Christian, this is the way that you used to live before God saved you. We, we, We are to put those things off. We are to put those things off. And second of all, in verse 22, do you see here how he describes the old self, the old man, it's being corrupted in accordance with the, now, lust. Do you see that there in verse 22? Lust, or maybe the word desire would be another translation. This is a feelings-oriented way of life. Hang with me here. The primary characteristic of a non-believer, of the old man, is that they live in this state of just kind of living by their feelings. They just kind of live by the whims of how they feel every day. The feelings and their desires and their lusts and their cravings and their longings, that's what drives them through life. It's like this up and down, constant, there's no steady. They're not living by truth. They're living by their feelings and by their emotions and by their whims. When I sit down with a man in a biblical counseling table and, sir, why, why did you not speak kindly to your wife? Well, I felt tired. I felt like she disrespected me. So he's living by his feelings in that moment. Or why, why didn't you go to church and worship the Lord with your church family? It's the Lord's Day, the gathering and the assembly of the saints. Why didn't you go? I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like going today. Or why, did, why didn't you work hard today? Why didn't you work hard this week? Well, I, I felt disrespected. I felt other people got the credit for my work. I, I felt upset, and so I didn't want to give a, a, a hard day's work they're living by their feelings not living by truth but living by feelings and in verse 22 Paul says we are to put aside we are to put aside the old man which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts the desires the cravings the feelings that we have Christians are to be different we'll see that more in just a little bit also we are to See, another way that the old man is described, deceit. At the very end of verse 22, deceit. These feelings-driven way of life is full of lies. It's like a woman who said to the counselor, I I had an affair because my husband doesn't respect me. I, I deserve a better man. That's a lie. That's deceit. That's the cunning nature of the evil one. I need to have a bigger house. I got to have a better job. I need to have an increased salary. I've I've got to have that prestigious position. And then I will feel significant. That's that's living, believing a deceit, believing a lie. This is the old man, the feelings-oriented way of life. And you know what? If we're all honest, we can all say we're tempted with these things all the time. And what does Paul say? I love the honesty of the Bible. The Bible just calls it what it is. The Bible just nails us right in the heart and says, here's the problem. The problem begins in my heart. And yet all glory to God, he saved me out of that. He called you out of that. And Paul is reminding you, Christian, you don't need to live this way. You don't have to be enslaved to this. And you're not if you're a believer. Romans 6 says that we are made new, and we are to offer ourselves as obedient to God. So remember your position. God made you alive. You can put these sins off. What's the first divine plan, the necessary ingredient for change? It all begins in verse 22 with putting off putting off now we get that people say you know what okay i don't want to do that anymore sorry i i won't do that i shouldn't do that i won't do that i'm really sorry sorry put that off we get that that's good but not enough god's plan goes deeper and god's plan gives a greater more thorough solution by the power of his Holy Spirit working in his word. And that brings us to number two. What's the second necessary ingredient for change? Number one, put off. Number two, put in. Put in. Ma- namely, put in the word of God. Put in the word into your heart. This is so glorious. This is so amazing. This is so divine. Divine. Because change begins on the inside. Change begins in the heart. Change begins on the inside, not the outside. It begins on the internals, not the externals. It begins in the attitude, not just on the actions. But if your heart is renewed, then your actions will inevitably follow. So, what does Paul say? Look at verse 23. Okay, put these things off, verse 22. Look in your Bible at verse 23. Don't miss it. It's small, it's brief, but it's so necessary. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It almost sounds like Romans 12, verse 2, doesn't it? That we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Minds. It sounds like Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We are to be meditating on God's word day and night. It's what the Lord told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that you are to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. This is the idea of putting in the word of God. This is God's distinctive and unique Plan for change that the world knows nothing about. This is what distinguishes true biblical counseling, true biblical change, from secular psychology and pop psychology of the day. Why? Because we are not into just behavioral change. We are not into just circumstantial change. We are into heart change, heart-driven change by God, using the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, in the context of the church, utilizing prayer and diligent effort, all with the aim of being pleasing to Christ. I was meeting with a young man for biblical counseling recently. He and his wife came to the first two sessions together. After that, everything changed. She ended up running away and ended up having an adulterous relationship with another person, and just everything crumbled and fell apart in this young man's life. And what was so amazing to me was watching how God used the power of his word, things didn't get better in his marriage. They got worse. They got tougher. I mean, the Lord brought him into the fire, the fiery furnace. But yet God in his grace and God in his power and God by his word did an amazing transformation in that man's heart. And that man was growing in Christ. He responded biblically. It was a joy to see. It was hard. It was hard, hard in the sense of the, the marriage crumbling. But it was such a blessing to see God using even the difficulty there bring about change and sanctification in that, that man, even in that difficult situation. How do you explain that? Because that man kept saying, I want to live to glorify God. It's hard. Well, of course it's hard. The Lord never said it'd be easy to live for him. It's hard to take up our cross and follow him. But yet as a believer, my life, I want it to be governed by being pleasing to Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. That's the heart and the aim and the ambition of a Christian. And that's the beautiful thing that we read about here in verse 23, that how do you do this? How do I change and become like that? Well, I put off the old, verse 23, I got to put in the word of God. Do you know what is so interesting about this verse, verse 23? This is the main verb of the whole section around it. And not only is it the main verb, it's a passive verb. It's almost like Paul is saying to you, I command you to let God renew you. You need to allow God to renew your mind, your thinking, which means we have to live by truth what we know is true from the word rather than just living by our feelings as they come and go every day in the innermost part of your being in the spirit of your mind and in the attitude of your mind in your way of thinking and in my motives in my thoughts I want my thinking to be in line with God's revealed word how do I change it's not enough for somebody to say, "Well, I just I won't do that again. Sorry. I I won't do that. I'll stop doing this. I'll stop looking at that. I'll stop going there. I'll stop talking like that. Sorry." But what do you do then? And God's plan in verse 23 is for your thinking and your mindset and your motives and your purposes and your ambitions to be in line with God as it is revealed in his word. So you and I are to read the Bible so that we think the Bible and talk the Bible and live the Bible and obey the word of God. God changes his people by the Spirit of God and by his word. By the Spirit of God and by his word. It's like two wheels of a bicycle. They, they go together, the Spirit of God and the word of God, never apart from each other, but always with the Spirit of God working by and with his word. You say, well, Jeff, okay, I, I get that. I, I, I read verse 23. I understand, put off, put in. Well, can you give me a little bit more Practical help. I'll just mention some of these. If we had time, I'd love to go into much more detail. But how do we grow? How do we be renewed in the spirit of our mind? I think number one involves beholding God's glory, according to 1 Chronicles 16 and David's wonderful song of praise there. It's beholding the glory of God. Being renewed in the spirit of our mind includes and involves constant daily effort, Romans 12, that we are to be transformed constantly. I think it involves confessing sin, it involves confessing sin like David did in Psalm 51. If we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, it involves ingesting the word of God. 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Being renewed in the spirit of your mind involves internalizing God's truth. I'm so thankful we read Psalm 119 earlier, portion of it internalizing the word of God. I love the text that was read, I hasten to keep your law. What, what, what a great attitude. I'm hastening, I'm hurrying to obey the word of God. Oh, that, that would be the hard attitude of all of us. To be renewed in the spirit of our mind in, involves living by truth. Living by truth. Psalm 119, verse 4. And it even involves persevering through adversity. Paul modeled this in 2 Corinthians 4. Adversity is coming. Hardships come. Trials come. But the Christian says, though I am struck down, I am not destroyed. The Lord is with his people. We are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So, Christian, we are to put off the old, put in the word, and lest somebody think, you know, that's kind of a lot you're asking me here, to, to, to put in the word of God and to do it frequently. Well, hold on. You and I check our email every day. That, that's probably, probably a lot of times a day. You and I check our text messages frequently each day. The stock market, the weather, the current situation, the headlines, all that's going on. We, 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 we check those things frequently. But do we go to the Word of God every single day for help and hope and guidance, letting God renew your thinking through Bible saturation? So what is is God's plan for change? How do we change? How do you change? How do you put off sinful habits? Number one, here's God's plan, the necessary ingredients. Number one, put off. Number two, put in. Now that's good and that's important. But the third element is also key as well. It's put on, put on. Maybe a, a way to put this would be replace. Paul uses the language of a garment again in verse 24. Look in your Bible with me in your own copy of God's word. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You know, in the early church, when the Lord saved people and they came to Christ in those early few centuries... Many of them in in the uh, Western Asia minor world, uh, they would take off their old clothing and they would put on a white garment at their baptism. Many do that today as well. What a picture. I'm putting off the old and I'm putting on a new garment for the baptism. What a picture. The the primary characteristic of that old man is a feelings-oriented way of life. But now the primary characteristic of the new man is that I am a truth-oriented person. I live by truth. Easier said than done. But yet we have the Spirit of God and the power of God at work in us. Paul's already prayed it in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 that we have the power of God at work in us to change. Godly change and God's plan for change is not just a matter of saying, sorry, I won't do that again. It's like when one of my children may sin against one of their siblings and they go up to them and they say, sorry, hold on here. Let's rephrase that. I'm trying to teach them, I sinned, here's what I did, I own it. I acknowledge it. Will you please forgive me? Ah, that's better. That's better. Godly change is not just a matter of saying sorry. Sorry for the lie. Sorry for the bitterness. Sorry for the revenge. Sorry for the harsh words. Sorry for the complaints. But it's, it's, it's putting on new habits that replace the old. Somebody could have great Great battle and temptation or sexual sin with the fear of man or stealing with words that come out of their mouth that are ungodly and unholy and unhelpful. It, It could be all kinds of temptations, all kinds of sin that bombard us. Guarding our mind, guarding our heart, guarding our tongue, guarding our lives, guarding how we live. And yet, did you notice in verse 24 in your Bible, the hope? Look at verse 24. Put on the new self, which has been created. Do you see that there in your Bible? Which has been created? That's Paul's language of God regenerated you. You were an old creature. Behold, old things have passed away. New things have come. You're made new. You're made alive. You've been born again. You're a new person. You are created by God. You're made new by God. It's what he said earlier in chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, having been created in Christ. What a a great God. Galatians chapter 6 verse 15 says that we are a new creation. We are new in Christ. So don't let there be any thoughts, any doubts. I don't know if I can do this. Oh, you can. You're made new. You're recreated by God. You have the ability. As a biblical counselor, I, I love to tell people when they come for counseling, there's two things that you cannot say. And they kind of look at me, you know, with big eyes, you know, well, what's he going to say? You cannot say, I won't do that. I mean, if the Bible says this, right, and, and you claim to be a Christian, you can't say, no, I will not do that. that. That's just a big no-no. You can't do that. The second thing you can't say is, I can't do that. I can't do that. You're asking me to do what? You're asking me to, to, to do what? To put off this sin? And you're telling me that I, I need to do this and I can do... Yes. Because you can change, because you're made new and made alive by God and by his power. You have the ability, not in yourself, you don't have the power to change, but in Christ, you do. And by the Spirit of God, you do. And God made you new. Look at these three distinctives at the end of verse 24. You are to put on the new self, put on new habits, new ways of thinking, new conduct, because you've been created by God in first righteousness. I think in the context of Ephesians 4, it's the idea of right conduct. Yes, every believer has the imputed righteousness of Christ in our standing. Yes, of course. But I think the idea here is we are to have integrity of life right conduct of life. Second of all, not just righteousness, but second, holiness. The word here, the idea is this devoted piety toward God, a heart that is purely devoted to God in worship. God, I want this. I want to put on the new man, which has been recreated. I'm made made new by God. Yes, to live a life of righteousness and integrity and to live a life of holiness, of the truth, or even true righteousness and holiness. All of this is undergirded with truth. Is it possible? For you to change, is it possible for me to change? Is it possible for a Christian to change? Is it possible for a man named King David? Saw a woman lusted after her, committed adultery with her, ended up lying and all the sins that went with that. Can he change? Is it possible for Peter? Who denied his master in public three times, even calling down curses upon himself? Is it possible for somebody like that to change? Is it possible for you and me when sin and temptation and hardship comes our way and difficulty and we succumb and we sin and we feel trapped and we feel like, ah, how do I how do I break this? How do I get out of this? How do I do this? Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. A few examples that the Bible gives to put off sexual immorality and adultery and pornography. Well, how do I do that? Pursue marital fidelity if you're married. If not, godliness in being grateful to God, pure, satisfied in Christ, in Him alone. Somebody who says, I got to put off my anger and my rage and my frustration. Well, how do I do that? I must put on Self-control. Somebody says, I, I'm just, I'm so prone to seeking revenge. I'm bitter. I can't believe they would do that to me. How do I do this? How do I put that off? Well, put in the word of God and put on tender heartedness and forgiveness. Someone who says, I battle greed and covetousness. Well, what do I do? Well, God would say, put on contentment and gratitude, thankfulness to God. Somebody says, well, I, I battle even just with the way I dress, immodest clothing. Well, what do I do? Put on modesty, respectfulness, true beauty, seeing that God looks at the heart. Somebody says, I just get irritated so quickly. I, I, just, I just lash out and rage so quickly. What do I do? You must put on preferring others as more important than yourself and true biblical, self-giving love. Somebody says, I'm just so fixated on the temporal values, the things of this world, the toys and hobbies and trinkets that I have. What do I do? I must refocus and fixate my heart on Christ and on the eternal values. Somebody says, "I, I battle hopelessness. I battle great despair of the soul. Is there hope for me? Oh, yes, there is. Of course there is. Because as we read earlier from Psalm 42, actually, I think it was sung in the opening introit, we are to hope in God. We are to cling to his promises. We are to cling to the fact that God is sovereign and in control, working all things together for those who love him and those who will obey his commands. So, Christian, is it possible to change? I come back to the question that I began with. Is it possible to change? And I want to give a resounding yes. Not in your own strength. Not in your own ability. But when we follow God's master plan in the word, when we open up the powerful and the living and the and the breathing Word of God, and yet as, as I know that I'm made new and I'm saved by the mercy of God, and I have the Spirit of God living in me, yes, change is not only possible; it's commanded of me. How do I do it? Put off, put in, and put on. Next week. We'll begin at verse 25. Jeff, I get this. But can can you give me some practical examples of what this looks like in my life? And I'm glad you asked, because next week we'll do that in Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Let's pray together. Great God of heaven and earth, Lord of glory, God of all power, true believers in this room, every one of us who have been washed and made new by Christ, we say, "O oh Lord, oh, we want to change, we want to please Christ, we want to be glorifying to you in the way that we live, so dear Lord, help us. Thank you for Ephesians. Thank you for this wonderful letter. Thank you for the divine plan for how we can change and how we really can put off sin and sinful habits and put on godliness and godly habits. May it be, O Lord, that you would help each one of us, that we would put off sin, put in the word of God and put on the new man, each day, even this week, that you would give us joy in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time together. Help us to respond accordingly, even now singing and worshiping with hearts that are filled with your truth. Would you receive the worship that we bring for the glory of Christ? In his name we pray, amen.